Club Cosmos Radio. Hello. Hi. Here we are again. <laughs> How are you doing? I gotta say, I'm doing great. <laughs> I've got, like, honestly, Pluto, you needed a win. I needed a win. And I don't know. Uranus went, Jupiter went direct. Great things started happening. Mm-hmm. Uranus went direct. Crazy, amazing things started happening. Pluto left my sign and I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> oh, plus I started my my nodal return is is bubbling and brewing. Mm. And now I see what you've been talking about all these months. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting. So glad you could make it to the other side. Almost. Yeah, I know. Pluto 2023 was stanky and this year feels crazy. Electric in a in a very air signy <laughs> Aquarian mm-hmm. kind of way. Um, but hey, it is crazy how Jupiter Direct made everybody pregnant. Literally made everyone I know pregnant. Like the like if they have an earth sign. That's like a completely classic like Jupiter is the like bountiful children giver in like ancient astrology it's like yeah if jupiter is in your fifth you're gonna have like 25 kids <laughs> jupiter and taurus fertile very fertile. fertile it's it's crazy it's it's absolutely crazy um how are you doing i'm doing okay i feel a little bit of the presence of Pluto in an air sign. Sorry. As, a, as an air sign. <laughs> Sorry. Um, not so bad because, you know, I'm a Gemini is trining me, which could obviously be positive in a lot of ways. But it's got the Pluto flavor of like, mm. it's not so lighthearted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely, and Uranus is in my, it's, it's like so air sign in that it's bringing up all these like, Mm, friendship and relationship dynamics and just like it's very social Mm -hmm. and um really moving some parts around internally externally all of it it's good it was very unexpected like it happened kind of out of the blue with uranus going direct last weekend that's uranus's i know signature move i know (laughs) it's really like sneak attack (laughs) This retrograde versus direct energy of the outer planets, I think I really underestimated it in the past. Yeah. And now I'm like, wow, it is so much quieter when it's retrograde and then it comes roaring back. I feel like there's something to it because we've only, I mean, lately, as of like the last year, we've only really been experiencing that in earth signs, like Hmm. in Capricorn for Pluto and Taurus for Uranus and Jupiter and gosh, we're, we're just talking about this. It's like, they were quiet. They were so quiet. I know. They're really, like, it, it just felt like there was nothing. It feels like the they feel more manifest when they move forward, maybe because it feels so earthy. It's like mm-hmm. something solid getting shaken up or put Miracle Grow on or like <laughs> getting excavated underneath or something like that. It feels much more like jolting. 
But yeah, I don't know. It does. It did feel like I don't remember these <laughs> retrogrades feeling so just like, hello. <laughs> I know. Well, that's I mean, this is a whole other topic for like a different episode. But it does. There is something to be said for how it's pretty black and white with the outer planets like pressing pause or mute or turning the volume way down on on them when they go retrograde where it does that in a sense with the personal planets like mm-hmm. Mercury and Venus and Mars, but it's definitely more felt. Yeah. There's definitely more like jumble going on. <laughs> they cause more chaos. Yeah. Whereas like Uranus retrograde is just sort of like, where's the electricity? Yeah. <laughs> the power is out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's well. we're all direct now. <laughs> we're flying. Yeah, we are soaring. And we have a lot of astro in the news. Oh, my God. So much. Want to kick us off, as they say, <laughs> in football? <laughs> Taylor's going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it continues to be a real m- mind-blowing experience watching how powerful she is and how just, like, mediocre of a person. Yeah, it just really... <laughs> She is, like, the most powerful person in the world, and it feels like the world just, like, bends to her, bends to her in this way that we've looked at her chart a couple times, and, like, there's a lot of powerful stuff there, a lot of, like, ambition, drive, whatever, mm. um, but in terms of, like, like, being God's favorite person on Earth... <laughs> Right now, especially. Yeah, right now. Because it's like truly, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was telling you, I read this tweet that's like, um, Taylor Swift fans only had to wait three months for their team to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> which is just like so crazy. And just, she just swoops in and it's just like, they're, it's like the royal family or something like that. Because it's yeah. football and Taylor. <laughs> and I everybody mean, is invested in it. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting because we know, as we've mentioned months ago, when they first started dating, we were speculating Pluto is coming for her Venus, which is like in the early two or three degrees of Aquarius, which could be like dramatic in all kinds of ways. It's a very powerful relationship if it stays together. Yeah, for sure. And it's everyone's very much like, it feels like an arranged marriage also at this point now where they're just like, it does just have this royal wedding energy to it where it's just like, everybody is being so weird about this. (laughs) But maybe when Pluto hits her Venus, she will get the makeover transformation. They'll transform. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's a gorgeous girl. I need, I need to see a different look. I need, I need the red lipstick to go. I need. We all do, but it's her power. (laughs) It's her target superpower. It's like the green ribbon in that story. (laughs) Around the neck? Yes. (laughs) It's keeping her face It's it's just her whole mouth is just drawn on. Her whole empire is also built on failed relationships. Yeah, so true. So, like, what does it mean when she just becomes married? That's so interesting. Beyonce had, like, a very similar turn or Mm. arc um, where it's just like, okay, we're just getting married, married music. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
mean, she's also just like we said in the past, she also has a lot of Libra energy in her chart. Mm -hmm. And so it is very much just like me and my man and my man and me and we're happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll do whatever he wants to make him happy. I love him. And then Lemonade came and now we have a little bit more of a of a balance. Um, but yeah, it's, that's going to be really interesting because it's also just like, there's not the same kind of like mystique around him. (laughs) There are like (laughs) some of her other ex-boyfriends, you know, he's not really a creative (laughs) at all. (laughs) More of a football player. (laughs) And it's interesting how it almost, uh, reveals the most about who she really is. Yeah than anything else in the past and i say which happy in, for girl yeah <laughs> um yeah not, not much else to say about that we'll yeah. see we'll see we'll if see she becomes the and new we're gonna nominee. continue <laughs> investigate it like something is happening something is definitely happening like but what like it's not it's not clear we're gonna need to dig into the asteroids to figure this one out yeah because like what else could they possibly need in terms of like PR stunts, merit they're gonna they're gonna win the Super Bowl, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the trophy, <laughs> Taylor's gonna come out and he's gonna propose to her in the middle of the field. No, on Super Bowl Sunday, and he's gonna give her a Dorito branded <laughs> ring box. <laughs> I don't know. It's that it's, would make me feel so sad for all the other players. <laughs> I already feel so bad I for know. them. I mean, I mean not really. I feel bad for so them much. because of their CTE, but yeah. this sucks too. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, there's so much other stuff. Yeah. God, I really. This was a little bit of a lost weekend for me because <laughs> I could not stop refreshing Twitter to just watch the slow motion train wreck of Nicki Minaj absolutely blowing up her entire career and every ounce of goodwill that was left. I mean, if you haven't heard, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Megan the Stallion, one of our favorite Aquarians released this single off of her upcoming album called Hiss, which is basically like, an enormous diss track that comes after everybody that's been fucking with her. And there is a line in it that says, these people ain't mad at Megan. They're mad at Megan's law. And this Mm -hmm. is referring to Nicki Minaj's husband, who is a murderer and a (laughs) convicted sex offender. Right. It was basically the reason that she has been, um, I mean, the, the beginning of the end of her, I don't know. Neptune and Pisces super fan yes, era. Yes. And Nikki took this at so personally that she just went like there were tweets, there were rants, just like her coming for Megan in a very disordered, chaotic, and you know, kind of non-sober way, like all weekend. Every, every hour of the day, there was just a new, just talking about Megan's foot (laughs) because she got shot. And it was just like the, 
of course, Megan is doing is doing the Aquarius power playbook because first of all, she does not have social media on her phone. She's not getting the notifications. She's not seeing all of this happening. She's not seeing all the threats. Oh yeah. And then also, uh, Nicki Minaj put together a hastily recorded and very embarrassing diss track. And it's one of the worst things. It's like very like voice notes. Um, and it's just basically her reading her tweets and Megan has gone on, Good Morning America, basically announcing her tour. She's not addressing it at all. Aquarius power dynamic mm-hmm. number one, similar to Capricorn, but even more like like a Capricorn might do like a little damage control and just be like, I'm not interested in addressing this. I'm mm-hmm. more excited about the upcoming tour. Right. An Aquarius, you are deleted, deleted from the universe as far as they're concerned you are on you are in the outer darkness (laughs) yeah which is just so powerful because of course Nicki Minaj is a complete sag so the more she gets ignored the more she talks (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting because I mean last week's Mercury Mars conjunction was actually a lot spicier than yeah it was than I think we were anticipating because it was just in Capricorn and it's just like it seemed like it would be more chill it was not chill (laughs) um so in the backdrop of all of that Pluto was conjoining her Mars uh in the 12th house which Nikki's Mars Nikki's yes sorry Nikki's Mars um which is not a Mars that's really in control even if it's mm -hmm. in Capricorn right it's in Capricorn yeah so she's obviously like so ambitious Mm -hmm. but in the 12th house is a little bit like um unconscious unconscious drive not freudian slip yeah freudian slip out the last burn it down um neptune is also now opposing her virgo moon in the seventh mm. which is just funny because the seventh house as much as it's about close relationships and partnerships is about open enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and there seems like a lot of confusion about who the, who the, who the real enemies are <laughs> here. And the track was released on a Leo full moon, which, Oh yeah. Megan Megan's diss track was released on a hiss was released on the same Leo full moon, which she was born under a Leo full moon. It's conjoining mm-hmm. her Mars. Mm-hmm. Beautiful move. Powerful move. She's got astrologers on yeah. working for her. And it's just like, I don't know. <clears throat> for all the hype, uh, like, you know, Nicki Minaj notoriously has one of the most, like, insane fan armies of all time, the Barbs. But just all the hype uh, of Pluto in Pluto, of Neptune in Pisces, mm-hmm. just to see it like deflate like a balloon kind of so fast. With Saturn, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to watch. I mean, the whole thing was insane to watch. Um, sad to watch. You'd want her to at least do a better job. <laughs> at, like, if there's going to be a beef, you want it to be, you know, good. <laughs> yeah, I don't like want to watch someone have a meltdown, but there is something kind of liberating about like, how much social media has been manipulated to appear like I'm just talking to you guys like you're my friend. Yeah. And then when the the gate gets unleashed is like, oh, see, this is mm-hmm. not such a great thing to just have at your fingertips yeah. where like everyone just says whatever, even celebrities who yeah. have PR teams. 
it was very it it was concerning um but also just just wild (laughs) didn't think i'd live to see the day (laughs) i turned in my barb card years ago um but it's crazy yeah, I mean, that same Leo full moon was when Trump was mm. told he has to pay E. Jean Carroll $83 plus million, and he's a Leo rising, and it was conjunct his 12th house, Pluto, and mm. Leo, which is, again, shady power. Yeah, he's just getting bled dry this year. I know. But it's interesting to see how, like, full you know it's just a spotlight Mm -hmm. it's not like it's very that's the neutrality of astrology yeah but especially full moons it can be it's just a light it could be highlighting something positive or something bad feels like it just the moon is so personal and internal Mm -hmm. and it just feels like it brings things right down to earth (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely personalizes things um, well, speaking of hype dying down as well or being <laughs> destroyed, um, there's fucking lead in the viral Stanley Quencher cups. I know. That's the most Saturn and Pisces literal <laughs> yeah, literally, thing. Literally like a poisoned water cup. Um, yeah, this is not like they use lead in their sealing process um, as some other uh, how you say. <laughs> cup makers (laughs) thermos makers do um but there's been this kind of viral trend on tiktok and you know so take that with a grain of salt people will do literally anything for attention um but people have been testing doing home lead tests on their stanleys like comparing them to their other you know (laughs) how you say (laughs) water holders travel mug travel mug exactly (laughs) travel mug and they came uh they were the only ones that came up positive um and stanley said lead is used in the manufacturing process but the product needs to become damaged in order to expose the lead which is like yeah (laughs) like the way that a mug that travels gets damaged (laughs) that way that gets dropped that gets shuffled around um they said that they're working on a different way of doing it, but it just feels like, I mean, this crazy hype shit where weird millennial moms are like getting grabby at Starbucks over like limited edition mugs <sighs> just to like put on their wall full of other fucking travel mugs. The madness, the stupidity, the absolute waste, the inanity of it all makes me feel like Werner Herzog just looking at it. God is dead. God is dead. (laughs) I mean, and now they're already acting crazy and now they have lead poisoning. (laughs) I mean, it just feels like this is a this is a class action lawsuit that will bury Stanley. Yeah. I mean, just a reminder, Saturn rules metals Mm -hmm. materials that are poisonous Mm -hmm. um and pisces is water so (laughs) anyway well i'm gonna actually skip this but i do maybe i'll just i'm gonna do the short version there's this rant about i i've had this rant on various docs and this might be just kind of my niche interest because i'm in marketing i am in the 
so many of my friends are journalists. Um, there have been massive layoffs this week at 22 different media outlets and counting, which include the LA Times, Pitchfork, Business Insider, Forbes, Sports Illustrated, and more. And I just want to raise this flag. We kind of allude to it in this episode as well when we're talking about Pluto and Aquarius themes. But this transformation of Mm -hmm. our media and news landscape is going to be a huge story of Pluto and Aquarius. It's like this particular story with all of these digital publishers going under is an end of a Capricorn and Neptune and Pisces story. Basically from 2010 to 2023, publishers and their editors and chiefs were just taking so much investment money without any plans for mm-hmm. ideas for how to make, to make it profitable. And now it's changing over to the Pluto and Aquarius side where all the ways that they used to make money online essentially with ads mm-hmm. um are drying up completely. And and that's only going to get more dramatic. Like Chrome this year is eliminating third-party cookies. So hopefully that will mean that when you go to a website, you won't have to like accept your goddamn cookies or whatever, <laughs> every single ask app not to track or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also the rise of Google's like search-generated AI, where it's like you're typing a question in and it's basically like giving you an answer that it's ripped right. out of different instead of linking you to an article, it's ripping the information out of that article and just giving it to you within Google. Basically, there's there's going to be this huge trend of marketers going to fewer publications with big fir- first party followings, like huge loyal subscriber bases and distribution lists. And it's just going to look a lot more like kind of the media monopolies of the pre-digital media era with like subscriptions and paywalls. Mm. And that might increase the quality of some of the work that we see, but it's just crazy to think about how we've been living in a time when essentially like online <laughs> magazines, news, but like the, we were, we came, came of age in the Gawker media era, you yeah. know? And just to think about how that whole ecosystem is being completely wiped out. Um, it's, it's very sad. I, I, I love reading. <laughs> I love reading. I love reading the thoughts of all of these brilliant journalists Mm -hmm. and it's just become less and less of a viable career. And I feel like that's just something that if you care about, if you care about reading, (laughs) (laughs) then you might just have to subscribe. You might have to start Mm -hmm. subscribing and supporting the publications that you care about because it's going to be a very bumpy couple of years before this ecosystem supports itself because honestly this is like also the thing that's contributing to like magazines <laughs> coming back and stuff like yeah. that well I was just gonna say that where it's like yeah there's like the subscription model which is fine I guess but it also like narrows the audience even more and like sequesters everyone into their specific kind mm-hmm. of like subscription lens and it makes more sense suddenly for everyone to just have access to the distribution of newspapers yeah. and magazines is like yeah so much wider the audience and just like pay the money for that mm-hmm. in person it feels really good to to hold something like that in your hands and i'm excited at the prospect of that coming back but um yeah it's it's pretty grim <clears throat> yeah it feels very uh like 
killing off some of the, especially like Pitchfork, like mm-hmm. a bastion of Neptune and Aquarius, yes. like indie culture. Like, yeah, I mean, it's relevant to our topic today for yeah. sure. <laughs> All right, let's go to astrology of the week. Astrology of the week. Okay, so it's Friday, February 2nd today, which we mentioned at the end of last week. It's Mercury in Capricorn, sextile Neptune in Pisces at 25 degrees. This is just cute, musical, mm-hmm. synchronous, creative. Say yes to an invite, a social invite yeah. tonight. Yeah. Or just stay home and draw. Yeah, be creative, be <laughs> mingle, but don't, you don't have to be too literal or clear about it. Yeah. Just know that there's a nice creative flow for you to tap into if you mm-hmm. choose to. Um, and then Sunday, February 4th, Mercury is going to enter Aquarius, immediately conjoin Pluto as all planets that are entering Aquarius mm-hmm. will and have, um, and that's going to happen in the early morning hours of Monday, February 5th. So mm-hmm. Sunday and Monday have a vibe for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Mercury is the one, is the messenger. Mm-hmm. And so when it makes like a big aspect like this, it definitely feels like n- some kind of news can come to light. Yeah. Pluto is so, so much about secrets. Yeah. So it could be a... Something from behind the scenes coming to the surface, but it's just generally, it's like, what's the word? It's not purifying, but what is Pluto doing to all of these planets? It's, it's like, there is something that's just intensifying or it's like, it's deepening their, like their agenda, essentially. It's handing them a flashlight or a torch. Yeah, yeah. As they make their journey through the basement rave of Aquarius season. Yeah. Um, A highly conceptual, um, (laughs) (laughs) poorly planned basement rave that might not have be up to code. (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't do any of the drugs that are being passed around down there. (laughs) It's. Yeah, Mercury and Pluto together can be pretty obsessive, can be investigative, it can be precise, but it's so rational in Aquarius. It's just like deep thinking and communication, but it could also be destructive. So it's just, you know, you want to do it uh, thoughtfully. Yeah, words are, it's a way... And when it's not quite on kilter, it's like it can reveal the ways that like your words have power over other people or other people's Hmm. words have power over you. So, you know, use your power wisely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then on Tuesday, February 6th, Venus squares the nodes. I just wanted to mention this because Venus conjoining the south node back in November was... A big deal mm-hmm. because the south node is in Libra, a Venus ruled sign. And this is the halfway point before it will conjoin the north node in Aries on April 17th. When it conjoined the south node in Libra, it was like November 29th, the end of the end of November. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise known as the end of November. <laughs> um. For all of you that observe. <laughs> But this is like another test or obstacle to whatever has come up in relationships or in 
this Libra part of your chart. Yeah, that opposition Mm -hmm. area, those topics. Getting a little bit of a poke in the butt. Yeah. (laughs) Those nodes just really, really want relationships to evolve. Yeah. And this is another moment where it's going to be like, oh, we have to work on this, especially in Capricorn. Yeah, definitely. But then I love this day. Um, Wednesday, February 7th, Venus in Capricorn is trining Uranus and Taurus at 19 degrees. And on the same day, Mars in Capricorn is sextiling Neptune and Pisces at 25 degrees. Love this. Love it whenever whenever any planet makes like a trine or a sextile to Uranus, it's fu- it spells fun. It spells yeah. uh unexpected exciting chance encounters and like meet cutes and really like sparkling social scenes where it's just Mm -hmm. like ooh, the mix is just right and I don't know why they invited that guy but (laughs) he he's making the whole party yeah yeah (laughs) just like electric energy to the air and matched with like Mars sextiling Neptune it has a little bit of like a a spiritual flow to it or something like that. It's getting high. Yeah, getting high. Exactly. Getting high with some strangers. Yeah. <laughs> this is my dad's birthday. Very appropriate. Oh my God. A perfect <laughs> Aquarius birthday. Yeah. I, I really like this day. It's like, it's kind of like a, a just say yes sort of energy. Yeah. It's fun. And then Thursday, February 8th, we have Sun and Aquarius square Uranus and Taurus at 19 degrees. You know, Sun and Aquarius squaring Uranus is pretty rebellious. It's pretty straight up Uranian Aquarian energy. Uranus is direct at this point. So we're getting a lot more of that in the external sense. Or mm-hmm. It's probably going to be happening more in the news again. This is we're recording it before. But it's a little bit stubborn, a little bit uncompromising, a little bit erratic. It feels like something needs to be like something's trying to be pushed forward, but there's a little bit of an obstacle. Yeah. And it just personally, it's kind of just like a willful vibe where it's just like, I don't want to do what you want to do. Yeah. Sorry. Fuck you. (laughs) It's just hard to find like a compromise, especially with two stubborn fixed signs that want their own way Mm -hmm. i just hope i hope that this uranus jupiter conjunction taurus meeting is just like it keeps getting fed into some kind of like actual climate change thing i hope that all of these things aspecting it just keep highlighting it yeah in a way to our um forecast for 2024 we talk a lot about that all the things that are happening with Uranus but I completely agree it's just like the my fear for this whole Aquarian thing like you know we just saw it's like Disney made this new hollow tile that allows you to feel like you're walking when you're doing VR and it's like honestly who gives a fuck like (laughs) solve one problem solve one there's so many pick one solve one like get your guys on this you know Mm -hmm. it's like just that tension between technology developments that allow us to just escape reality and like escape the world in like kind of a lower ebb 
Aquarian mm-hmm. way where it's just like bodies don't matter, material world doesn't matter. Upload my consciousness to the internet. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Like just that tension that we're gonna see this year now that Pluto is in an air sign and it's facing off with um Uranus in an earth sign. Mm-hmm. We shall see. I mean, they never actually square each other, but the two energies are now really in tension. I'm hoping for a surprise. Yeah. There's a lot of surprise elements. This yeah, year. There, there are. There are. And honestly, I'm really feeling like I think that this was a, a prediction on the astrology podcast. I think when Jupiter and Uranus conjoin, they predicted that there might be a new candidate, like mm-hmm. a surprise candidate entering mm-hmm. the presidential race. And that would be pretty exciting. So. Yeah. It's not too late. <laughs> if, yeah. you're, if you're thinking about throwing your hat in the ring. <laughs> Get on it. You yeah. might have a chant. Yeah. Um, finally, uh, next Friday, and we'll talk about this again on, on next up, depending on what the hell happens this week. <laughs> but um, we have a new moon at 20 degrees of Aquarius. February 9th. On February 9th. Yeah. There's not... A ton of other action happening on this chart. There's kind of a loose square between Mercury and Aquarius and Jupiter and Taurus at six degrees, but that doesn't go, that doesn't perfect until I think the next day. But this is going to be our first new moon in Aquarius with Pluto also in Aquarius ever. So it just Mm -hmm. feels like a really big, potent opening chapter in whatever the Aquarius Mm -hmm. house is in your chart. This is new energy to deal with because we Mm -hmm. didn't have this last year in Aquarius season. So you'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) We'll give you some horoscopes of what Pluto in Aquarius will do generally do in your chart but this is really like the opening ceremony yes it is and it's a little bit like mercury and the sun have already conjoined pluto going through and wait mercury and what else mercury and the sun and then after this venus and mars will conjoin pluto right so because it's a new moon it's a kind of low ebb emotional internal processing Mm -hmm. moment It'll just be a little bit of a of a breather before mm-hmm. we get more plutonic energy infused into all of the personal planets in Aquarius. Yeah. I would look out too for like the day or so days leading up to this when the moon is first to conjoin with Pluto for ever. Mm-hmm. For this year, I mean, and so there could be a little bit like whenever the moon touches, it kind of like brings it to light. So we could hear about something and then the new moon is really when you intentionally begin. Yeah. And you'll see kind of the results of this story. Like new moons are seeding stories that kind of come to fruition six months later when you mm-hmm. get the full moon version. So really long tail arcs are being created, but you know, it'll still feel, it'll feel, feel different. Yeah. But this is all to say we are, this is like the very, very, very tiny baby beginnings of Pluto and Aquarius. And this is what we're going to speculate our asses off about today. (laughs) Yeah, we are going to speculate our little asses off today. (laughs) Um, I just want to say like, listen to our episode on Pluto. Listen to last week's Mm -hmm. episode on Aquarius because 
You need both to understand <laughs> Pluto and Aquarius. Yeah, and come to your own conclusions because honestly, yeah. Pluto and Aquarius is Aquarius is just one of the most compl- complex signs, mm-hmm. honestly, and they'd love to hear that. <laughs> they know it. They mm-hmm. live it. But like the agenda in Aquarius is not straightforward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I guess it's not real Pluto's agenda is never really straightforward. <laughs> Well, what does Pluto do? Okay. Well, Pluto just tends to kind of like when it enters a sign, it exaggerates the qualities of that sign, the characteristics, the dark side often of that Mm -hmm. sign, the way that that sign wields power Mm -hmm. over others (laughs) most often, the the ways that that sign is thirsty for power. It kind of brings those to the forefront. Mm Um, and within that, it, it shows the people that are disempowered by that energy Mm -hmm. and kind of makes that more extreme, but then like through the process, like it's this really like kind of trial by fire feeling of Pluto. Pluto is, is the farthest planet, uh, like at the very edge of our (laughs) solar system. Mm -hmm. It has the least concern for your little (laughs) personal agenda honestly Mm -hmm. it's trying to create evolution and it's asking you to be brave it's asking you to be fearless it's asking us all to like examine the depths and if we can't look at the truth of the way that we are and the way the world is it's going to burn your house down, you know, <laughs> like it just, it, it's, uh, it's, it makes itself impossible to ignore. It's relentless. It's relentless, but it's funny. You should listen to our Pluto episode <laughs> because at the same time, once you kind of go through the Pluto gauntlet a little mm-hmm. bit, like once you feel like basically there's kind of like a little bit of a cycle as someone that has recently mm-hmm. undergone Pluto's <laughs> ministrations <laughs> been burnt to hell and back. Um, there's kind of a side of it where it's like, once you feel like completely first, you're like completely victimized. You're like, what the fuck is happening <laughs> to me? Like, why has my life gone to shit in this area of my, whatever, wherever Pluto is in mm-hmm. your chart, you know, this isn't fair. <laughs> Why? Mm-hmm. And then you basically turn into feeling like you get all of that kind of energy stripped away. You can't just like Pluto doesn't really let you languish in a victim mentality mm-hmm. either because it's like it sparks your survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so then you're like, I can do anything. <laughs> I'm powerful. And I feel like you can kind of take on the sort of more sinister plutonic energies at the Mm -hmm. same time where it's just sort of like I will not be victimized again and then you kind of come to a little bit of an equilibrium and it is very like Wizard of Oz like where you're just sort of like oh you look at all the things that have happened in your life that provoked all of these feelings and you're kind of just like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it felt like such a huge deal at the time. And certainly big things do happen. Yeah. Big changes do happen. But once you kind of slide into like the new reality, it's a little bit like, oh, okay. You know, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> All of that that happened is actually okay. It definitely has different effects personally than it does collectively. There's a lot of overlap, but I feel like it's more empowering 
personally Mm -hmm. than collectively you know like we were talking about when pluto first went into capricorn of course notoriously like the day it went into capricorn the stock market crashed Mm -hmm. in 2008 yeah lehman brothers went under right but capitalism like took this rampant new form with instagram Mm -hmm. and like everybody can sell anything and have new ways of advertising that just like ramped up every possible new little thing you could buy yeah and in just and everything's an industry essentially right, <laughs> like right. hyper individualized hyper capitalism mm-hmm. girl bosses running amok basically <laughs> like you know vc money flowing everywhere yeah. the so kind of like crazy P- pluto and capricorn like industriousness mm-hmm. just started growing so big it grew tumors and yeah. then started to get really sick <laughs> and then of course like we got to the pandemic and everything it just like exposed the the cracks mm-hmm. so intensely so harshly of like what is actually a supportive structure or not or like what does it even fucking matter if you work if you're sick like yeah you know like whatever yeah, the Wizard of Oz effect is so strong. Mm-hmm. It can be like, whoa, I was really intoxicated by this because I wanted to keep controlling it. You always have to watch mm-hmm. for that Pluto kind of like spell of wanting to control the thing that's slipping away. Mm-hmm. And the tighter you grip, the worse it will feel. Yeah. Similar to Saturn in that way, but much more dominatrix yeah. intense. Saturn, Saturn basically gives you surmountable problems. Right. Right. And Pluto gives you insurmountable problems. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of an adage about Pluto that is it makes big things small and small things big. So mm-hmm. whatever you feel like is getting too big in your life, just that's what Pluto's asking you to look at. But just like Malia said, it's like, be careful of your obsession because here to, it's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Like, honestly, yeah. the things that we are so fixated on are just... It has a way of revealing how small mm-hmm. they actually are. Mm-hmm. But what what are the dates for Pluto in Aquarius? Well, we got the first little inkling of it in 2023, and I believe it goes to 2044, about 20 years even. 2043. 2043. And this one's kind of interesting because it's like we always want to like look at when a transit comes along – one of the best ways to learn astrology and like the, I guess a foundation of astrology is to look at what happened the other times that this mm-hmm. transit happened to give you a sense of what you're in for. And certainly Pluto and Aquarius has brought out some very <laughs> Aquarian changes in our world mm-hmm. in the past. But what feels relevant to say is that it, this is going to be the first transit of Pluto and Aquarius since Pluto was actually discovered in yeah. 1930. And that's pretty significant because the discovery of a planet is what really announces its relevance in our world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know how it works, but it's one of the more foundational, spooky, transpersonal, transcendent mm-hmm. sides of astrology where a planet arrives on the scene and all of a sudden, like, its topics are basically introduced to life in a way yeah. that they never existed before. So 
Um, we talk about this a lot in our Pluto episode as well. So I'm just going to keep plugging that. But so this is just the first time that we've had Pluto and Aquarius in our new plutonic, plutocratic, globalized world. So although we've seen this transit before, it's also kind of uncharted territory. And if you want to know about all the millions of times that Pluto was in Aquarius before, the astrology podcast has done like a three hour long episode about it. So if you really want to like nerd out on like Pluto's connection to the invention of paper, then (laughs) please go further. But uh, they'll 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 have you covered. Um, But it's, you know, it's useful to talk about just some general themes of the last time, I guess the most recent time that Pluto was in Aquarius, which was from 1778 to 1797. Yeah. I mean, that's huge for our little demonic country (laughs) (laughs) because Pluto in Capricorn in the U S Sibley birth chart, July 4th, Mm -hmm. 1776 was like the tail end of Pluto and Capricorn. And then everything was kind of formulated. The whole democracy, the whole structure of it was under Pluto and Aquarius. And it was the American Revolution, mm-hmm. the French Revolution, like these huge themes of revolution and independence and egalitarianism and all these Aquarian keywords yes. that we talk about in the Aquarius episode. Yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, and, and that was when Uranus was discovered too. So mm. there's, it's like a mixed connection basically yeah. where it's like, yeah. you could really say that Aquarius gets its connection to Uranus from this moment. Like they mm-hmm. have, that's the modern ruler of Aquarius and they have shared agendas and shared themes. But, um, so it's interesting that way where it's like, like I was saying, like when a planet is discovered, it's, its agenda becomes like basically comes to life in humanity. This was a Uranian moment of the rights of man, the rights of the individual man. Like it's the Mm -hmm. height of the, it's the end, end period of like the high enlightenment when the, ideas from the French philosophes like Voltaire and Rousseau about the rights of man start actually shaping the political landscape. Mm -hmm. And there's this pervading idea, this enlightenment idea that everything in the world can be cataloged and demystified and that humans can basically improve their condition through a greater understanding of the universe. Very Aquarian, like (laughs) festival of reason. Yes. Yes. Scientific method. So this gave us, lots of things, but it gave us the revolutionary war. It gave us the French revolution and all all the way through to the reign of terror when it's Mm -hmm. sort of like the power to the people turns into an insane kangaroo court of people just being like, Mm -hmm. like of so many people getting guillotined and like just everyone pointing fingers at each other and basically, you know, a, a complete, bastardization of all of the ideas that brought about the revolution of like this new, like hyper leftist terrorist state. Yeah. But then um, it goes all the way through to the directory, which was the government that was uh, like overturned by Napoleon in a coup, almost like right at the beginning of Pluto and Pisces. So it's like Pluto, the Pluto and Aquarius story basically tells the whole tale of like fraternity, equality and liberty turned into essentially like this 
just failed brutal leftist Mm -hmm. so it's just one of those things where it's like it's not a linear process of just like and we're free no no (laughs) and freedom (laughs) that's the that's the messiness of like aquarius ideals are so strong towards egalitarianism Mm -hmm. and freedom you know like this is also the haitian war of independence Mm -hmm. which is like an incredible overthrow Mm -hmm. for freedom but it's like very violent Mm -hmm. and dark and intense we're looking back on this because definitely these things feel relevant (laughs) yes yes and even like when pluto was in aquarius for a minute last year there were all those protests in france right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's also just a secular view of the world Mm -hmm. which i feel like is an interesting thing to come back to now i don't I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll talk re- about that later. We'll revisit it, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because it, the time before this also that Pluto was in Aquarius was the Protestant Reformation, where it's basically right. like, you know, Martin Luther times when it's sort of like mm. man actually doesn't need the church to talk to God. Like it removes mm-hmm. this this bureaucracy uh, and like you know the the ornate and baroque Mm -hmm. (laughs) methods of like reaching God through the Catholic church at the time. And it's basically just like, you can just pray. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have the power inside of you where it's like, even though that's not secularized, it's basically like accessible. It makes it accessible. Like it's a democratizing factor. Um, But then, yeah, also during this time, Mary Wollstonecraft publishes a vindication of the rights of women, basically fundamental or like formative feminist text it's like hey women are (laughs) people too guys Mm -hmm. um it's the industrial revolution where steam power and spinning jennies and power looms are being invented like huge leaps in technology but in that very plutonic way and makes this whole new level of production capacity possible which has the knock-on effect of industrializing the slave trade (laughs) you know where it's just like now we need more cotton because we can make more fabric because we have the technology so Mm -hmm. it's very plutonian pluto and aquarius theme of sort of like what an amazing new technology and then the pluto side of it is like and how is it going to be used to exploit people you (laughs) know or like how is it going to be used as a weapon Mm -hmm. um so that's all the history we're going to really be doing today (laughs) but well just a just a overview of like some of the bigger aspects that pluto and aquarius makes in the coming years is just kind of denotes chapters Mm -hmm. of, of what could happen this year is big because jupiter and gemini trines pluto we haven't had a jupiter trine pluto since like 2016 mm-hmm. when it was like Virgo and Capricorn mm. but this just really kind of jump starts the whole machine Jupiter and Gemini has so many ideas is so big is so excitable mm-hmm. it's fast it's fast and that's May June 2024 then we get a lot of stuff happening a little bit in 2025 and definitely in 2026 which is just that we get these series of Mars oppositions. There's the first one that happens on November 3rd, 2024 election time much, but that's at the very end of Capricorn. But then in... Pluto will have gone back into Capricorn for its last little fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
And then in January and April of 2025, Mars will oppose Pluto, both retrograde and direct in Aquarius. And, you know, Mars is, this is a, this is a battle. Mm-hmm. This, Mars opposite Pluto is, we've, we've talked about this before, but aspects between these two is very underdog versus the powers that be. Explosive. It's an intense, intense face off. Mm-hmm. And then in 2025, but exactly in 2026, Uranus and Gemini will try and Pluto and Aquarius. And that's like, huge. (laughs) That is huge. Pluto and Uranus aspecting are like huge, huge cultural shifts. Mm -hmm. Innovations, politics, the people paradigm complete just a paradigm shift like yeah there was i can't believe we were living like the life we lived beforehand it's like from Mm -hmm. like horse and buggy times to car times (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah pluto and uranus conjoined in leo in the 60s and i don't know if you've heard about the 60s but Anyone told like, you <laughs> literally a montage in every documentary. Yeah. So it's just cue the credence. <laughs> but yeah, this feels like we really will start living in the Jetson era. Yeah. Like it just feels like so futuristic in a way yeah. that it's just impossible to imagine that's part of the Uranus side of it too where it's just like what is gonna be the thing that basically lights the fire that changes the world like what's the spinning Jenny (laughs) yeah Yeah, Uranus and Gemini is so transportation and ideas yeah very flying car the Um, U.S. has Uranus and Gemini and the U.S. is so car yeah unless we teleport what if we just skip cars and that's my ultimate fantasy superpower i mean cars are not efficient they're so annoying actually we need high speed rail i mean we need i don't know i'm not a scientist (laughs) i'm not i don't know yeah that's our motto of this episode (laughs) guess what i'm not a scientist (laughs) and neither are you astrology podcast (laughs) well i can't even think of the thing that it's gonna be like is it going to be like we're all going to go through pneumatic tubes? <laughs> like Maybe. I don't know. Transportation is fucked. So slow. Yeah, and it's flying in the world. Trains, planes, <laughs> and automobiles are slow. They're packed. They're. We need some kind of futuristic horse. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That's not an air sign thing. <laughs> it's so Capricorn. Hey, look, we still haven't done Uranus and Taurus conjoined Jupiter yet. So I maybe know. that will also give us the power horse, the real horse power. Oh, movie. yeah. <laughs> Genius. Whatever. <laughs> okay. It's well, not my strong suit. <laughs> we're already getting into predictions. Like what, what are the categories that, that okay, Aquarius... well, let's just zoom out and like big picture here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generationally, like... Pluto has like a crazy elliptical orbit. Mm-hmm. It's not in sign. It's in signs for very uneven numbers of time. The, what we've lived through, the Pluto generations kind of, if it's in there for like, you know, 15 to 20 plus years in a sign, they kind of map over 
our generations like mm-hmm. the millennials are the pluto and scorpio generation the, mm-hmm. the gen z's are pluto and sag the boomers are pluto in leo mm-hmm. and obviously <laughs> scorpio pluto and scorpio the millennials and pluto and leo the boomers are now going to be in a square situation <laughs> with pluto and aquarius in opposition to yeah what is that what do you think that portends pluto opposite a generation it really feels like okay finally it's time for you to stop raining you know yeah. like pluto and leo so infused with the magic of uranus conjunct pluto like we d- we shifted culture we did this and it's also <laughs> so leo to be like we're never leaving yeah. we're kings forever it's pluto is definitely going to challenge that if not just um whisk them into the underworld <laughs> yeah, yeah it's <laughs> but part, it's it's it needs to change it will change i mean they will die yeah i know that's the thing it's Uh, like this is a 20 year long thing they're not gonna survive a lot of them but we're still living in their world you know like gen x has already been kind of skipped over we had one gen x president and now we're back to i know even before pluto and leo they're like fucking silent generation kids (laughs) well now they're gonna get a trine Who's going to get a trine? Pluto and Libra. Oh, Pluto and Libra. Pluto. Oh, Gen X is going to get a trine. Maybe yeah. we'll get another. Like, it's like we had, uh, yeah, Obama. You know what's crazy? Um, I read this tweet that Bill Clinton was president 25 years ago, and he's younger than Trump and Biden. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fucked yeah. up. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, the Aquarius is going to bring a pretty cold guillotine too <laughs> i mean that, that's like just part of the aquarius loathes uh, a monarch or mm-hmm. a, a, Plu- a plutocrat an oligarch uh, mm-hmm. anyone that is wielding power over the people aquarius would like to see that be leveled what happens after that we're not Chaos. sure <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that definitely like you know the boomers like you said, they act very Leo. So I think that the ones who will feel it the harshest are us millennials, mm-hmm. us Pluto and Scorpios, because we came of age in Neptune and Aquarius. Mm-hmm. We really defined ourselves in like who can be the coolest and most niche and most ironic. Basically, thinking we're defining what cool is Mm -hmm. i think pluto and aquarius squaring us is going to be like nice try that's not even the system anymore you're most irrelevant now (laughs) yeah (laughs) which you know is like part of the whatever we're aging out of the demographic the marketing we have been for a while but i really hope in a sense that all the millennial like cutesy tech language (laughs) won't fucking die because i hate like oh whoops hey there (laughs) hey there you have a bug on your dashboard did you clear your cookies (laughs) it's like yeah yeah it's so funny just how much vestigial language there is in tech and what it will take the kind of huge clearing of all of our current tech landscape the change of the internet which we'll talk about too yeah to get rid of all of that but that's kind of what pluto and aquarius promises um in terms of like gen z 
it's sextiling their the the Pluto and in Sagittarius generation, which they are, but they're having this massive coming of age moment, which has been typical of the last several generations, just mm-hmm. because of where how fast Pluto's moving relative to Neptune mm-hmm. in this moment in its orbit, like. We millennials experienced this while Pluto was going in Capricorn um, because Neptune, because Pluto transited over our natal Neptune and Capricorn, mm-hmm. which many millennials have. Basically, Neptune's transit through Aquarius um, from 1998 to 2011 maps almost perfectly over the Gen Z age range. And when Pluto crosses over the natal Aquarius Neptunes of every single member of Gen Z, it's this huge moment of disillusionment with like mm-hmm. all of the fantasies, dreams and addictions of their generation. Mm-hmm. And so much of that, I mean, we're already seeing everything come apart at the seams because technology has ruined everyone's lives, but especially theirs. Mm-hmm. So it just, I feel like it asks this huge question as much as we're pushing like technological breakthroughs and, you know, emergent science. And it's very like sci-fi and loving to be so techie. I think it's going to be a struggle and a question to be solved, especially for Gen Z of like, how can the digital native generation unplug? Mm -hmm. They've never been unplugged. How can they unplug? The internet doesn't offer us anything good anymore. (laughs) Why are we still relating to it in this way? And it's just very pragmatically like Pluto and Aquarius could bring up accessibility issues in terms of who or like what could cause people to lose access to a lot of tech or the internet or electricity. Mm -hmm. Like we kind of saw that a little bit when every kid had to be schooled from home, like who had computers and internet It's like, I also want to say with it just on the same Mm -hmm. note of this Gen Z thing like it I feel like they are really reckoning and they've been struggling with it as just Mm -hmm. as everyone has with like Neptune and Pisces is like what is cool it's just like there's no subculture basically Mm -hmm. so is Pluto and Aquarius going to like create more subcultures or no subcultures we just like let go of ideas of coolness (laughs) like what do you think it's weird because it's like for there to be a sub for subcultures to really exist there needs to be a monoculture like there needs to be a norm there needs to be normies for there to be freaks you know Mm -hmm. and there's this kind of like paradoxical thing that's happened lately with like gen z in particular where it's there's like a lot of push towards like conformity and cores Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. you have to basically align yourself like the substitution for subculture lately has just been aesthetics essentially like ballet core (laughs) versus like dark academia versus like (laughs) cottage core you know yeah these aren't real identities they aren't based like in the way that a subculture is based on like a lived identity Mm -hmm. or a community an actual community and I feel like in ways it's it's interesting because these aren't subcultures. They're styled as subcultures. Um, they're signaling the way that people in subcultures do like, hello, fellow goth, you know, like <laughs> whatever, like we cosplay. Yeah. We're at the Renaissance fair. We're deadheads, you mm-hmm. know, like they signal that way, but they don't have any meaning because they're basically all just like you can buy this whole identity off the rack at Shein, you know? I know. So it's a little bit like, I feel like 
everyone is living inside of their own siloed media consumption world, like entertainment consumption, style consumption space that's been just like honed and monetized by like Facebook, essentially, (laughs) Facebook ads. Don't get me, don't get my tinfoil hat going. (laughs) But like we have, we've just been so separated from any real sense of like shared reality. Mm -hmm. I think that Pluto in Aquarius is going to crack that open completely because it's already just like even this this version of life can't hold because actually the structures that were able to give us the most like nicheified individualized version of of reality through technology don't work anymore (laughs) They, they don't they can't actually feed us any of they can't feed us that complete picture of reality anymore aside from the fact that people just need people people are lonely lonelier than they've ever been people Mm -hmm. are miserable with this world like for there to be actual subculture again which is very like an Aquarian desire Mm -hmm. there we need to actually get back to a sense of monoculture first Capricorn (laughs) yeah yeah I mean now that in this way where it's really just like we need to have some kind of consensus reality as human beings to be able to accomplish anything yeah which was totally decimated with Pluto and Capricorn Mm -hmm. and Neptune and Pisces right working together those two little devils (laughs) Like it just feels inevitable that there has to be more IRL mm-hmm. <laughs> experience in life, which whether that's forced upon us or it's some kind of chosen mm-hmm. path, it feels like, you know, Aquarius, I kind of associate with like urban life too, mm-hmm. which is interesting because our generation has coastal mm-hmm. We've become the coastal elite. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who live in New York and LA or like these cities basically there's not so much suburban life but I feel like communal life will just have to happen more in cities we've kind of like created this weird suburban life within the cities it's paradoxical because lately or like in the last couple years after the pandemic essentially people have been leaving the cities to basically be like I'm gonna go move to Iowa essentially or like pick any plain state or Texas. And mm-hmm. it's just like people, it's like the cities are too expensive and they basically move somewhere where they can buy a house or like mm-hmm. have room. But then you're essentially just like, okay, you lose that community that you had. You're just a computer. You're just a, you're working remotely. A cul-de-sac computer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're just a cul-de-sac computer. So I feel like there is just this, interesting thing of like it's going somehow it's just going to be more impossible more impossible to ignore your neighbors Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially in when uranus hits gemini yeah (laughs) the sign of neighbors Mm -hmm. (laughs) the sign of your community and neighborhood you know the physical community that you live in yeah the all walks of life Mm -hmm. all the weirdos you have around yeah utopias communal living mutual aid these are like the ideals of Aquarius that can be really dreamy and appealing Mm -hmm. and of course the lived experience of it is much more (laughs) of a headache a lot of the time preach on this (laughs) you're a commune baby (laughs) yeah I mean like you're you're always going to find that surprisingly or not surprisingly conventional social dynamics Mm -hmm. come roaring back you know like 
gender roles or like yeah who buys the toilet paper at the punk house yeah exactly (laughs) or just like the power dynamics like people do not actually know yeah you can be like yeah everything's equal but then also anybody who has ever been part of any kind of cooperative group like every single decision that gets voted on in an equal way moves so fucking slow like the deliberation it's not as efficient as an air sign wants to be Mm -hmm. it's just so necessary that there's a strong system Mm -hmm. for it to work and a leader (laughs) kind of (laughs) because it's also so like wow everyone's so weird and i don't actually (laughs) want to be living with you like what now I have to share my life with you (laughs) yeah yeah it's just more weird roommates than you could ever imagine yeah (laughs) yeah that is just like part of the whole Aquarius conundrum that Mm -hmm. we've been talking about a lot where it's just sort of like okay I've created a system where everyone can be equally represented and then it's sort of like well (laughs) nobody wants the same things and nobody can agree yeah yeah um and there has to be room like there has to be room for that which just makes it yeah it just does make it impossible or challenging to to move forward clearly in one direction that's kind of the the Aquarius Leo axis it's like Leo is a leader Leo is the one that's like okay is setting the agenda (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know but this kind of leads into politics because Uh, our structures of democracy are going to be I mean they're already pretty threadbare and we've gone through the Pluto return of the United States we're kind of at the towards the end of that this year but Mm -hmm. um this will probably be the last election (laughs) yeah I'm wondering that looks like this yeah completely I'm wondering if this will be a time when credible third parties will start to emerge or like, like they exist in like basically every other country that has Mm -hmm. a democracy um, in the West, at least like in Europe where it's just like breaking apart the two party system, which also Mm -hmm. feels very much like Uranus and Gemini's energy. Mm -hmm. Gemini wants the multiverse. Gemini wants options and choices Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wonder, and maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part, like, I don't think the Electoral College can survive another Pluto cycle, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we've seen year after year that it can be manipulated. So it doesn't matter if you win the popular vote. You could still lose the election. And that's so anti-Aquarian. Mm-hmm. It also just feels like with Uranus going into Gemini, Gemini is so local. Mm-hmm. It's just local, more emphasis on local politics. But yeah, it feels like we keep getting these, again, like ideas of progress. January 6th is such an Aquarian, like mm-hmm. whatever you feel about it is still so Aquarian. Yeah. It's yeah. like a storming of the White House. Yeah. It's like. It just has been all these people who value freedom and individuality above all, like this, you know, these supposed values of democracy, but then vote for people who degrade the whole system itself. It's like, that's the hypocrisy of Aquarius. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also just the hypocrisy of the system. Yeah. 
with Uranus and Taurus right now, after Pluto and Capricorn, like we obviously have serious issues around like people who have access to basic needs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things percolating to create some kind of revolution. Mm -hmm. You take away like one of those things and everybody like money is a pretty democratizing. Yeah, there's the there i just think there's going to be just an explosion of tension between like the 1% and the 99% yeah. during like it's already we already feel it it's just simmering like mm-hmm. the ability to feel like change within the system can happen is going to feel just less and less realistic because the system is created by <laughs> a very small group of people that don't have the same life <laughs> as mm-hmm. most of the people that are impacted by these decisions It feels like there's just inevitably going to be a huge anti-elitist sentiment Mm -hmm. that might just get carried to like greater and greater extremes as life becomes more precarious. Like, you know, we have a pretty firm sense of like privilege representing, you know, fat cats and people that have their money on the Cayman Islands and like really this small group of people that are creating most of the climate change and like making most of the decisions about the way uh, the world works. But I feel like this idea of privilege could also be extended to include things that most of us take for granted now. Like privilege could be extended to people with healthcare. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. With people to ac- with access to certain medicines like yeah. we're already seeing we the it's it's just obvious everywhere mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just all the inequalities where it's just sort of like you know if you consider yourself to be part of the 99% that idea might get challenged by people that are maybe in the 80% or in the yeah. 50% you know mm-hmm. And inside of that I feel like there's going to be a lot of kind of like social policing and surveillance um increasing (laughs) yeah that's extremely pluto and aquarius it just feels so like the neptune and aquarius era it was all there where we were like worried about it and like Mm -hmm. oh wow there's all this new like technology social media big brother Mm -hmm. whatever and like there were there were whispers of like this is a lot of information to hand over yeah but everybody was like it's fine. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, it can't be that bad. Trade off. I feel like Pluto is here to be like, you gave us everything and now we have You've created control. an AI replica of yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but that's the part that feels like that could be enough to really shift everybody's relationship to the internet. Yeah. You know, like the internet and social media are bound to be seriously impacted by Pluto and Aquarius. Definitely. I think that it also just kind of, there's going to be so many technological changes, but I, I think it's going to be the end of the open internet as we know it. Like the way that we have always known the internet to exist is just going to change completely. I've said this on previous episodes, but one of my big stumps is that there's going to be a massive data disappearance as like profit models of tech and media companies shift more fully away from ad-based revenue and move into subscription. Like, Things that just like free internet things, like all the information that's being stored there, like all the world's information, all the history of the internet, like Mm -hmm. everybody's random old website, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, is going to start to disappear as that stops becoming profitable to just store it all. Yeah. 
It's already happening in media all over the place. And like you, it, and it's like a replica. It's a, like all the systems are kind of operating in the same way. Like this kind of like disruption model that basically turned into a a subscription model, which is now basically turned into an ad and subscription model. And it's just like, everybody's completely fed up. But as a result, all of these, so many of these shows from like the golden age of television are just in the ether or like disappeared. I mean, that's the way it was before the internet. Like Mm -hmm. you'd see something on TV and (laughs) maybe you'll never see it again. You know, ephemeral, like everything's going to become more ephemeral. I think, Hmm. um, it's all bots. <laughs> yeah, that's and I think that's the future of like beyond social media, the internet. We're already seeing it. I think that part of the the deincentivization or like move away from like the tech that we have now, whether that's in lieu of some other beautiful new version, web three or whatever the mm. fuck, or just, you know, book one. <laughs> um, <laughs> like the internet is going even more so going to completely lose coherence and usefulness as these garbagey SEO optimized AI content yeah. pieces, bots and deep fakes flood the search engines and make it impossible to even like, why even go there? Like it's already happening. This is one of my huge stumps as well. Like Google fucking sucks. Now Google yeah. sucks and it's getting worse every single day. You cannot find what you're looking for. You I only know. find ads. It's also just like we have seen like New York has already created legislation against Airbnb, Mm -hmm. but like these gig economy things have like completely changed the way we live Mm -hmm. and affected how much housing there Mm -hmm. is, how much job security there is, who has access to healthcare. It's like it has not helped. It's made it a more desperate situation for most basic needs. It's fascinating because the Pluto and Capricorn generation, like the the ascendant class, the people that were uh, ended this transit in charge of everything mm-hmm. are tech companies like the the kind of like Capricorn hyper capitalist pyramid scheme has already taken the form of tech. Like Mm -hmm. it's already like, it's so funny because it's just so ripe for, (laughs) it's so ripe for Pluto and Aquarius to follow it. You know, it's like the ways that our inequalities look are so bound and so defined by our technology. Yeah. Um, And I think that that like is also going like there's a lot of really interesting legislation that's already kind of chipping away at these, like the big five sort of tech monopolies. Mm -hmm. But I think that Pluto and Aquarius will break the monopolies of Facebook, Google Mm -hmm. app. I mean, Apple to a lesser extent because they hobble innovation, they hobble competition. (laughs) And I think it's just going to generally be the end of like everything platforms, which we're already seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like what's going to be hard to wrangle is that like Pluto and Aquarius and all this stuff in Gemini is like so much more tech stuff coming out so much more innovation so much but I think like who has access to it yeah or what it actually does for us is the big question yeah there's innovation is going to be 
off <laughs> in in its innovation is going to go crazy over this time like in yeah. ways that we can't even fathom like of course there's going to be ai innovation that's already mm-hmm. like that's kind of the the start the jumping off point um yeah. has been ai and robots of course mm-hmm. pluto and aquarius has also been linked with like air travel space mm-hmm. space discoveries and space innovation in the past so Definitely, I think we're going to get manned space missions mm-hmm. and a new outer space discoveries. Maybe we'll even get a new planet out of it. Maybe we'll have a new new, astro- new little data point of astrology. I'm hoping for new sources of energy, and that very feels very aligned with... I mean, we have to have new sources of energy. Yeah. And Pluto rules electricity. Not Pluto. Aquarius rules electricity. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, okay, clean energy, mm-hmm. you know? maybe hopefully um but within this like i said it's like the pluto side of it is that these big innovations that are kind of made cleanly by scientists <laughs> the movie the, the excellent 80s film real genius is all <laughs> about this where you're making something for the sake of science for the sake of innovation mm-hmm. in a lab somewhere not thinking about the applications and then you have a huge innovation and immediately it's ultimately leads to becoming a huge weapon or an instrument of social control. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of that with all of these, all of these topics. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because the Saturn, when Saturn was in Aquarius and squaring Uranus that tense time in like 2020, 2021, Mm -hmm. 2022, that was the whole like Texas blackout Mm -hmm. electric grid blackout (laughs) yeah during the coldest winter they've ever had yeah I'm sure there will be more yeah just the the intersection between like institutional failures failure readiness failures Mm -hmm. the way money our money our tax money is being spent and not spent on crucial infrastructure projects right are gonna get pressure from climate change of course but it feels like it's going to be pointing to a more activated place obviously with Pluto and Aquarius mm-hmm. sign of the people you know maybe <laughs> maybe like it's time to start pushing back you know time to get your map yeah exactly my Thomas says. guide in my car <laughs> I just, I'm, there's kind of trend moves towards this, but I'd say physical media is going to be great. I mean, in the same way that like (laughs) we, as we talked about in our Aquarius episode, Aquarius loves the new, it loves technology. It loves innovation. Mm -hmm. It loves scientific development. It also romanticizes the past, loves the past, Mm -hmm. (laughs) loves like obsolete technology, kitsch. I might be wrong, but get the DVD player out of storage, you know, like buy a magazine. Everything that has technologically or digitally developed over the past, whatever, 30 plus years has all been in favor of everyone getting the same experience from their very privatized place. Mm -hmm. We all get our own little phones with our own little devices where we can plug into this thing Mm -hmm. that we can somehow share, but we don't, actually share any of it yeah but I can't quite comprehend it but if like if we actually are more connected in real life the uses of the internet and technology just completely change it's Mm -hmm. not like 
you know, the fear of like, if I get off Instagram, I won't have any friends. Yeah. I won't be connected to anyone. Like maybe that fear actually is the thing that we confront. And then mm-hmm. we're like, oh, doesn't have the power. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. the Oz power of like, you're so isolated because we're actually so isolated. Yeah. I think the iPhone is the thing that's going to get made small by Pluto hmm. in that way. Um, but you've kind of segued. Well, yeah, we. I think we've covered most of this, except for I guess one last thing: aliens. Just throwing that in there oh, is yeah, the yeah. coda to everything. Aliens. Like, yeah, aliens coming. Um, <laughs> or like exposing who's an alien. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's not? The reptilians <laughs> among us. Yeah. Um, but uh, aliens aside, aliens aside, um, <laughs> I think that that's a beautiful segue into the horoscopes. Because as much as this is happening to all of us, it's a long, slow transit, and it's basically just going to be grinding away in one part of your chart, a new Mm -hmm. part of your chart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and I think on a more personal level, it's so much more a test of like, the Aquarian parts of our chart have a lot of ideals about being connected to people, but might need to really go through this transformation Mm -hmm. of like, you're still keeping everything at an arm's length. You're not really being vulnerable in this part or you're not really doing the thing that will connect you to people. Mm -hmm. It's not the same as having like a a world of people available at your fingertips that you don't actually reach out to. (laughs) What do you think it's going to do for our Aquarius rising? Wow. Well, first I'd say find the Capricorn rising in your life and <laughs> ask them how the last 16 years have gone. <laughs> Start your community there. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to join us Pluto support group. But for Queer's Rising, this is going through your first house. The first house is the house that is you. It is the mm-hmm. only house that's just all about you, your identity, who you are in this world. And it's about to be totally radicalized by yeah. by Pluto. I mean, you're already pretty radical. You're an Aquarius rising after all. But you're a, you need groups more than anyone. Like this kind of change we're talking about where this, this um, the dynamic that we were just kind of naming about needing real community instead mm-hmm. of just like the concept of community, the idea of community, the apple presentation of what community Mm -hmm. looks like enabled by a new device like you are gonna need to figure out the aquarius problem more than anyone else in a certain way yeah you may be just really like hungry to have part of your like who you actually are be known and validated but have a hard time finding others or even just letting them in enough to see who you really are but that's really the meta challenge of you this whole for this whole transit. It's going to be allowing yourself to be known <laughs> so you can actually have community with others, you yeah. know? Once you start letting people in in a way that I think is very challenging for Aquarians, mm-hmm. that kind of level of intimacy, they're uh it's just difficult for them. Um but it's going to change your whole world. It's going to change everything about your life. You all are going to come out. Maybe you'll come out as straight. That would be yeah. a very... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. A Pluto and Aquarius. Ex- yeah, it would be. It would be. Uh, oh, my or... God. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming out as a lawyer. 
you're just gonna become bionic yeah you start getting like robot yeah, procedures you're, you're gonna get the chip in <laughs> Pisces rising, this is your 12th house, and this is a very internal, spiritual, musical, poetic part of your chart, and it can be a little bit isolating. It can be just like a lot of deeper plutonic, psychological, deep, deep, subconscious Mm -hmm. parts of yourself are coming to the surface. Pay attention to your dreams and nightmares. Pay attention to your fears that come up when you're alone it's like to help you work through you know like Pisces rising is so sensitive to Mm -hmm. the world but having Aquarius in the 12th house is kind of interesting it's almost Mm -hmm. like you don't you process it maybe with too much intellectualizing yeah or like that just detachment right like you actually need it's too much so you kind of dissociate Mm -hmm. (laughs) you disconnect from the 12th house emotions because your whole life is a little bit 12th house flavored as a pisces yeah yeah pluto in the 12th can sometimes bring up issues of isolation whether it's forced like some kind of illness Mm -hmm. or addiction or imprisonment at its Mm -hmm. worst it's just like there's something about it where you are really going to have to reach out to this Aquarian community, probably around some kind of like deeper themes of healing or escapism or addiction or these 12th house things. Mm-hmm. At the very least, like a powerful spiritual group <laughs> that is like full of freaks. Yeah. Yeah. To re- like find real release, <laughs> mm-hmm. not just disconnection um, to, for, to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, I also want to just throw this as random, but I've been thinking about it a lot. One of my favorite kooky astrologers, Lori Lothian, Hmm. she talks about the 12th house a lot, I guess, in contemporary considerations of the houses as being foreign money, like PayPal, and also just Mm. like electronic kind of anonymized (laughs) transactions like Mm. Stripe and PayPal and things like that. So that just throwing that in there in terms of just like if that has if that's a money source for you that could be going through a lot Mm. of transition and transformation in this era that's a good point aries rising the 11th house um this is a house about groups and audiences which is so fitting to have i mean in aries rising has all the houses in their right little spots so (laughs) The perfect Aquarius house. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like this, this, these transformations are really all about your friends and your creative audience, like chain, big changes in your friend groups and how you're received essentially, mm-hmm. like how, how your show is coming off, you know, mm-hmm. to the group and who you share, like the people that you kind of share your vision for the future with, like that can be just going through a lot of change, like your affiliation groups, your interest groups, mm-hmm. like all of that is in under Pluto's, in Pluto's crosshairs. Aquarius 11th house is so political too, mm-hmm. like, like communities you're a part of that share some kind of ideal. Mm-hmm. Pluto could really like change that drastically based on whatever the politics are Mm -hmm. or just invite some really 
intense plutonian friend that changes yeah. the whole dynamic <laughs> a cult leader yeah <laughs> i don't see aries placements in a cult so much but no um it could i feel like an important element of of all of this is to say that these groups will be changing because your vision for the future will be changing you know or vice versa yeah. vice versa like it's not just like, oh, all of a sudden, like, where do my friends go? Yeah. It's because you are seeing the world in a different way that might not align with that group anymore. You might need to find a new group or mm-hmm. changes in your group make you feel like, hey, I actually, I don't share. I don't believe this. Mm-hmm. You're wanting different parts of yourself reflected. Yeah. Back at you now. Taurus rising, this is in your 10th house of career, and you're just so fixed in your ways sometimes, but now you have Uranus there, <laughs> you have like, you've had Uranus there, you have Pluto going into your 10th house, it's like, your whole career is, your whole reputation, the whole way you want to leave your legacy on the world is changing. You might have just been too disconnected or too self-sufficient in terms of career, too independent, mm-hmm. and you need to be like, part of a network again or part of some kind of community where you can be using your skills in a way that's more cooperative and social rather than just like working from home (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's it's so like Aquarius 10th house to just have been the first person to work from home like since the 90s (laughs) yeah totally as as Taurus rising as well like yeah yeah, you might have to go back to the office (laughs) yeah um gemini rising pluto going through the ninth house you know this is this house is all about travel and higher education and other cultures foreign shores spirituality Mm -hmm. and just like it's really calling you to expand what you believe in about the world and learn from the people that have different backgrounds from you i mean gemini's Gemini placements are so curious and so open to like a million taking in a million ideas, but the ninth house really wants you to put those together and form meaning out of them, mm-hmm. not just kind of be a filter for every that everything runs through, you know? Um, and it could also, because this is like a spiritual or religious space and it's Pluto this is going to be a great time to process any spiritual, religious, or education-related mm-hmm. trauma. But it's really just sort of, it's calling you to do a lot of things that you are already doing, but in kind of a different way. <laughs> yeah, it's training your rising sign if you're a Gemini rising. So it's almost like if it works pretty well. And Uranus is going to be going through here anyway. So yeah. that's going to really help you zap your way (laughs) across the world you're going to 18 plus countries (laughs) teleporting to them all yeah uh cancer rising this will be in your eighth house of collaborations therapy the occult the secrets the behind the scenes anything surrounding issues deemed taboo sex grief death money taxes (laughs) inheritance transgressions it's just like all the kind of like soupy mysterious uh behind the scenes parts of Mm -hmm. life having a lot to do with shared resources and money and intimacy and power pluto here is pretty comfortable like pluto is kind of an eighth house planet Mm -hmm. so dig deep into your capacity for intimacy and vulnerability and 
power dynamics. Yeah. Cancer has a special aptitude for this world as well. Yeah, it just might make you feel a little bit more more scorpionic in the water territory (laughs) of like cancer rising can be a little bit thin skinned Mm -hmm. a little sensey Mm -hmm. (laughs) and pluto here could just really make you feel a little bit braver about how you engage with people it's great um leo rising pluto's going through your seventh house and that is the house of partnerships of all kinds. I'd say close partnerships, mm-hmm. long-term romantic relationships, clients, business partners, best friends, close friends, like the partnerships that kind of define your life. And the question is, do you have enough community engagement with people or are you isolated together, basically? Mm-hmm. How much are you intellectualizing your partnerships? Because that is your Aquarius house, you know? I'd say in general, it could also bring like, because this is the house of the other, it can bring a plutonic lover or a plutonic partner or a plutonic mm-hmm. patron to your world, like a powerful person mm-hmm. that you form a close relationship with mm-hmm. or that changes your world, you know, that changes your reality. But yeah, it's definitely like if any of your close partnerships are under stress or strain, Pluto is going straight for those. So just mm-hmm. know that it's it's just trying to make your relationships <laughs> stronger and better. And if they can't be made stronger or better, they will go up in smoke. Mm-hmm. So just know that. And if, if that triggers anything for you, like do Pluto's work, you know, yeah. like be truthful, be truthful, be honest, talk about what's talk about the problems mm-hmm. or else Pluto is just gonna dig up your whole garden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I just had this. It was so... I became a therapist. (laughs) Changed all my relationship dynamics. Um, Or if you're poly, it might really make... Especially Aquarius on the 7th. If you're poly, Pluto might be like, what the fuck are these power dynamics? It's not working. You're a Leo rising, damn it. (laughs) Is this just about you? are the primary, always. Yeah. Um, Virgo rising, this is in your sixth house. Pluto in the sixth house is so much about getting your health shit together. It's your health and wellness, your routines. Like, do you take care of yourself? Do you need to eat better? Do you need to get a serious, intense workout Mm -hmm. routine? Do you need to get sober? (laughs) It's very, um, work oriented too. like your relationships with coworkers, your relationship to do the to the kind of work you're doing whether it's like sixth house wants to be in service Mm -hmm. pluto if you're not doing that could make you want to do that or empower you to do that if you are doing that it could really bring out some of the ugly truths Mm -hmm. about it and change your change your perspectives but it's just about reprioritizing, reshifting, transforming your entire day-to-day life, your whole approach to how you live and how good you feel in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. And I'd say also there could be a lot of pet stories that have to do with that, like getting yeah. a pet that changes your life or mm-hmm. having your life changed by the loss of a pet. Mm-hmm. Um, like <laughs> weirdly, I I just went through this and I had a ton of pet stories <laughs> inside yeah. of it. And it's also just like, 
you're a Virgo rising. I don't need to tell you to just take your health stuff seriously. I mean, this is Virgo's house. Yeah. So I feel like you are, it's hitting you where you live, but you have all the tools to deal with it. (laughs) The irony is that having Aquarius there is like you, again, you kind of detach from the real work of it sometimes. What about taking care? Like there's, the routine of caring for yourself, but then there's actually listening to yourself and nurturing and ta- like taking <laughs> and taking, there's taking care of yourself. And then there's taking care of yourself, Amen. <laughs> which may require a group, a community yeah. to get you into that. Yeah. So consider it great for support groups. Yeah. Of all kinds. Mm hmm. Uh, Libra rising, Pluto's going through your fifth house. And this is the house of the arts, creativity, playfulness, games, children, flirting, romance, all the things a Libra loves. Mm-hmm. Pluto is just going ham over here. <laughs> and you're really, really good at supporting other people around these topics. But now you kind of need to investigate your own relationship to them with the support of others. Like, like, what is it? I'm, I'm just taking a moment to think about Aquarius. Like, an Aquarius fifth house for a Libra speaks so much to, like, that discerning, intellectualized view of, like, aesthetics and the way that things mm-hmm. should look and be pleasing and symmetrical and perfect. And it just feels like there's a challenge to the kind of control that that implies about mm-hmm. how much control you have about the world around you, especially your children as related to your children. Mm-hmm. Like this could be, you just had a baby and your house looks like shit all the time. And <laughs> it's incredibly triggering, like things like that. <laughs> I don't know what else. <laughs> well, it's Libra rising is so uh, about developing relationships with others is really supportive of other people. Mm-hmm. Aquarius in the fifth house is so like you are the secret freak Mm -hmm. you need more attention it's also though like a Saturn ruled fifth house is a little bit like did you get to play enough Mm -hmm. maybe you're you were too parentified you you had too cold of a childhood and now Mm -hmm. it's like Pluto is like let's fucking play (laughs) and it's gonna bring up a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. because you're not used to that level of deep self-expression to really like be seen I love that. Yes. Like it, it, there's many other transits at at least right now. I mean, obviously this is a long one, but you've got, you've got the South node working in your first house Mm -hmm. at the same time. Like it's time to, to be more, (laughs) to think less about others actually. Yeah. Think less about the group. And what about you Libra rising? What about your needs? Like stop compromising. Yeah especially in love and relationships, you know, like the, the fun flirty cuteness of this can just be so much about, you know, what do you want to do? Yeah. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Scorpio rising. This is in your fourth house, a crucial house. The first, fourth, seventh, and 10th are always crucial houses to have such a big transit like this. This is the house of family, of your home, of your childhood, of your roots. Having Aquarius here, it just feels like it has a lot to do with like expanding your idea of this, of of, like chosen family, of networking your 
your sense of like rootedness mm-hmm. and home and you know Scorpio rising can be so private yeah so removed and just like I'm in my own cave and no one's ever coming over here yeah. <laughs> Pluto might really need you to do that you might need people to come and help you out at home or with family or yeah it's something happens to your house yeah and you have to like let go of a house that you're you know again Scorpio really likes that control Mm -hmm. Pluto will challenge that and you might actually feel liberated by whatever loss happens there that is like the Aquarius kind of liberated it's like whoa I'm actually more connected to things Mm -hmm. than I thought yeah why was I holding on to this so tightly Mm mm-hmm or it could just be like unconventional living situations. Yeah, transformative living situations. Mm-hmm. A big move that changes your whole life, you know? Maybe you raise your kid in a commune. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you might be lucky and raise a Malia. <laughs> um, Sag rising and Pluto's going through the third house. This is all about your neighborhood. We talked about this when we were talking about the overall agenda of... Pluto and Aquarius, but you need to know the people in your neighborhood, (laughs) the Mm -hmm. people that you're living with, your mailman, your community, all the people that surround you and get really curious about where you are instead of feeling you always need to be somewhere else. You and Gemini are the ones that are playing each other's games, this Pluto transit. (laughs) And instead, like there's like this huge escapist fantasy that has to do everything Sagittarius wants is just to Mm -hmm. always be moving and always be somewhere else and this is really calling you to get some roots somewhere else like maybe you are that person that moved to like Boise Idaho for your job and you're just like I can't go anywhere so it's time to actually make this my home and Mm -hmm. get to know the people where I live um, yeah, you need to be, this is going to trying to teach you the skills to, that you can only get by being in one place for <laughs> more than five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Sag rising, Sag in general can get so like, I have a big story to tell a big, big journey to live through. And it's like, this is a test of the details, the, the skills, the third house Gemini mm. kind of stuff is actually what contributes to your story is not like you can just bypass all of that. Mm. You actually can grow much more than if you're just like dancing across the globe. Yeah. Lastly, Uh, lastly, Capricorn rising you, I just congrats. (laughs) You've made it. You did it. You made it through the identity overhaul you're more goth now (laughs) you're more more goth than ever you're more powerful you're darker you're stronger and clearer (laughs) and now it's going into your second house and it's like after all that work on just like how you present in the world who you're attracting it's like now you're kind of refining what your self-worth really is Mm -hmm. like this is the test of like do you make enough money? What's your relationship to money? Mm -hmm. What's your relationship to your work and the income you make? Do you value yourself enough? Pluto in the second can really be like huge swells and ups and downs in Mm -hmm. money. It can test a little bit like what, especially for Capricorn Mm -hmm. rising, what material security really means to you. 
Yeah. But, you know, you have Aquarius there, so you might just find that the ways that you do work or make money might be more unusual, more crowdsourced, more communal, cooperative. You might just need to be less solitary. Mm-hmm. It's tough for a Capricorn rising. Yeah. Because to really, to like go beyond just like networking and actually connect to a community implies a certain level of vulnerability and mm-hmm. emotional honesty that it's not that Capricorns are not emotionally honest. They just don't really reveal that side of themselves <laughs> very yeah. often or they don't, they don't give it out to many. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it could also be like, wow, you just got so rich. <laughs> yeah, you could become a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> but if you do, but you're going to be a lot of <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, well. That's it. Read Frankenstein. Mary Shelley had Pluto and Aquarius conjunct her MC. Mm-hmm. She brought in the message of the dangers of creating your machine <laughs> yeah. and your likeness. Yeah. See you in the future. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> Club Cosmos Radio is created by Kristen Stagemoller and Malia Croy. Follow us on Instagram at Club Cosmos Radio and send your burning astrology questions and hot topics to us at clubcosmosradio at gmail.com.